Heart. You gotta have heart. Miles and miles of heart. What is heart? Heart is running through a return man when the game is on the line. Heart is giving everything you have in practice, day after day. Heart is finding the strength to run down the field one more time when you can barely breathe. The heart in me pumps Husker Red. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast, brought to you by Coordination.com, hosted on JitteryMonkey.com, part of the Jittery Monkey family of podcasts, found on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, JitteryMonkey.com, Facebook, Twitter, uh, and this particular one, of course, the Five Heart Podcast, available, as you know, Coordination.com as well. My name is Greg Mahochko, and uh, usually I'm introducing Hoss Reuter, but he is uh, uh, as we know a non-traditional college student and he's uh, working through some finals and he said you know what man he said i might not be able to be available until uh thursday the 14th i said that's all right we're gonna we're going to uh, uh fill your role for for a change and we were going to have a three-way conversation a three-way dance if you will a triple threat match uh, of sorts uh with another coordination contributor but since hoss ha- had to bow out this week we're just going to have a nice one-on-one discussion for the first time on the Five Hard Podcast. I want to welcome, uh, again, from Coronation. Uh, he contributes in many areas, but his emphasis, uh, at least lately, has been Nebraska ball, and that is Patrick Gerhardt. Patrick, welcome to the show. Hey, great to be on here. Uh, so let's talk. Obviously, it's been a, a very exciting week in Nebraska, uh, University of Nebraska Husker Athletics uh, from the weekend activities and uh, a big, big upset win uh, for the Nebraska men's basketball team. Uh, but before we do that, let's talk uh, a little bit about you. Let's get to know you. How long have you been with Coronation.com? Uh, this is my third season covering Nebraska ball for Coronation.com. Um for some reason, after the first season, uh, you folks uh, decided to keep me on, and so nobody has decided to replace me yet. So, yeah, I'm still here at Coronation writing about Nebraska ball. Well, that's fine, because uh, uh, <laughs> after the uh, other events, you know, and everything else that, that's happened this week, um, I, be- I believe it was you uh, that, said, that begged me not to ever leave uh, Coronation. Um, it I can officially say now, as of this week, that the Five Heart Podcast is the number one podcast on Coronation.com. I wasn't able to say that, uh, you know, the the last you know the last you know year plus of the Five Heart Podcast's existence because of our good friends uh, Tweety and Pat at the Big Red Copcast. I always thought that those guys had a, a phenomenal presentation. But uh, much like LeBron took his talents to Miami to South Beach and then back to Cleveland, much like Stan Cronkite Stan. Cronky uh, packed up the Rams and moved them to Los Angeles. Uh, the The boys at the Big Red Cobcast have taken their talents elsewhere, and we do wish them uh, all the best in their future endeavors. Um, but, Patrick, three years now of, of Nebraska ball, and, you know, we, we talk about Nebraska ball sparingly, uh, not as much as we should here on the 5R Podcast, and I'll be the first to admit that. Um, but... There was a lot of excitement around Tim Miles hiring, and 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 that's we're going you know back several years now, uh, making it to the tournament, and then we had a lot of attrition from some players deciding they just didn't want to play basketball anymore or going pro. Um, we've had a lot of good graduates over the years. What is the 
the big standout, or, or what's the big difference in, in this year's team? Uh, there's a few things from last year. In fact, from the last few years, one, we've got a team that on paper is probably 10 miles best, uh, not just the starting five, but also the bench. We've got guys coming back with fairly decent experience, not just from playing for Nebraska, but for playing for, one case, Georgetown, another one, Louisville, another one, uh, Miami. Uh, just those, those are the ones that start. Uh, but those guys coming in have good experience. They're, they seem to be meshing well. You hear that term a lot going into the season, but it seems like these guys are maturing as the season goes on. Uh, the style of play, while still troublesome at times, is getting better as the season's gone on. Uh, we were, we're 10 games in, and uh, it, it's Nebraska easily, easily had the best game they've had all year, if not for probably about three years, uh, Tuesday night against Minnesota. Um, this year's got a team that could, if, if they keep things in check, uh, compete for at least the middle of the big 10, which is, you know, in, I guess if it was almost any other team in the big 10, but Nebraska, you would say, Oh gosh, that's a letdown year, you know, potentially I know being here in, uh, in the land of Lincoln, uh, Illinois, of course, has had some terrific basketball programs over the years, but not really many since Bruce um, uh, Weber left. Uh, so, you know, they've been down and, and continue to be down. I think they actually lost to Eastern Illinois in their final exhibition game, you know. So so they would kind of – they expect to be the upper echelon. Of course, you have the Michigans, the Indianas, Michigan States, uh, Ohio State. I mean, you've got some really good programs in – the Big Ten, who would look at the middle of the pack in the conference as, again, being a letdown year. But let's face it, we're in Nebraska, and basketball has never really been our, our strongest area of athletic competition. Uh, so middle of the pack in a, in a Big Ten conference, is we'll, we'll take that. I mean, that's, that's a step in the right direction. No, I mean, it really is. And I'm, I'm probably going to get some, some crap for saying this, but honestly, if there was a team, this is a bad year to reference them, but if there's a team in the Big Ten that I would say Nebraska not necessarily wants to model themselves after, but if they follow their path, it would probably be pretty good, and that would be Iowa. Um, they're a team constantly in the middle of the Big Ten, occasionally fight off the big guys at the top, but you know they make the NCAA tournament every two, three years, usually almost always in the NIT, uh, bringing in some pretty decent players, all-conference players every once in a while. Um, and, and they do, they go above and beyond a lot. And I think if Nebraska basketball gets to that point, I think you'd have some very happy fans, at least for a decade. Right. If Nebraska, <laughs> if they do it for, you know, eight, 10 years or so, um, but they don't go beyond that, then you're going to see some restlessness as with any, um, fan of any sport should be. But, you know, if, if, if Nebraska could get to that level, um, I think that would be a huge step forward for this program who really hasn't seen much of the light of day since Danny Knee days back in the 90s. So, Let's talk a little bit about, I mean, you mentioned that Nebraska has some, you know, not just uh, players with Nebraska experience, but you mentioned, you know, some really good programs, you know, Georgetown, Louisville, and, and although I hate to credit Miami with anything, I mean Miami, um, but... 
So they were able to bring in some good players, but at the same time in the offseason, we also saw a little bit of attrition. I don't know why I keep that's you know second time I've used the word attrition, but but uh, guys like Ed Morrow uh, Jr. who left and and he's a you know a legacy because his dad played football at Nebraska. So what at, at that point? I mean, at the end of last season, it, it's like Tim Miles was uh, on a bit of a hot seat. Uh, what about Miles? I, either his personality or his coaching. I know there was the famous uh, uh, self-imposed Twitter exile last year when when some of the comments became a little too harsh, and he said, you know, I, I'm going to go away for a while, may, you know, concentrate on other things. What is it about Tim Miles that he's able to attract some of these transfers to Lincoln? Because, you know, it, it's Lincoln, and, and I, Bo Pelini famously said, you know, allegedly anyway, that you, it's hard to recruit to Lincoln. Uh, Mike Riley for any of his other faults, uh, managed to recruit to Lincoln. Tim Miles is able to bring some of these transfers, these D1 transfers into Lincoln. What is it about him or what is it about the program that is so attractive? Well, right now in the program's aspect, the university finally a few years ago started dumping money into it. You've got the new training complex, the Hendricks training complex. You've got Pinnacle Bank Arena, which not just – is there an arena but built up an entire entertainment district around it uh, with the city of Lincoln. Uh, you've got Nebraska moving into the Big Ten Conference. Uh, Big 12 was good. At least the Big 12 was good back when we were there. Sure. <laughs> we made all the it, difference it, is what it was. Y- yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I wish I could say that. Um, but, you know, even a lot of those teams are having down years with the exception of Kansas now. But, you know, that helps in, in, in terms of what would attract them to, to the area of Lincoln. Um, Miles, you know, he's, he's a really personable, um, very likable guy. He is. And honestly, he works his butt off, you know, not just on the practice, not just in the office, but also on the recruiting trail. And I think that's paid dividends and it's paid dividends in a time where transfers are a pretty normal case. Um, I can't remember the statistics. I mean, I think the average is like at least two or three transfers a year for pretty much for division one, a basketball, mm-hmm. you know, that's 300 some teams. Um, and I, and I could be wrong on that, but it is a, it's a fairly high number and it's gone up considerably over the last few years. So the fact that he can go in and get an Isaac Copeland out of Georgetown, um, a James Palmer jr. Who played a lot at Miami. I mean, a Miami team that made the elite eight, I think two years ago, uh, the fact that he can go do that really says a lot. And honestly, the third thing that we talk about all the time in football, uh, our fan base, um, we, we, we've had multiple losing seasons over the years <laughs> and Pinnacle Bank Arena, especially for like the big games, we show up. And I think that goes a lot farther than you realize. Um, even in, you know, it, when you consider we're going up against the, we're going for these kids who are going up against teams who go for the, who are, might be playing in the Atlantic 10 or the Big East, you know, basketball conferences. Sure. But they play in, you know, places that are 118th the size of Pinnacle Bank. And, you know, not everybody shows up to those games. So, I mean, I, th- I think a mixture of those really has helped out Nebraska basketball over the past few years bring these guys in. How many games? do you take in at the vault? Well, I used to take in as many as I could. And then about a little over a year ago, I had a kid. 
<laughs> Which I, I, I can't wait to, to talk with you about that, and we'll we'll certainly get into fatherhood uh, here in a few minutes. It's, but. it's dropped it's dropped my uh, my time at the vault considerably, but it's been totally worth it. So what? Uh, <laughs> as you said, you know those big games, and, and we'll use this Minnesota game. You know, it was the top fifteen Minnesota team uh, earlier this week. How does the crowd show out for a, a game like that versus you know maybe an unranked opponent or a non conference opponent? Is it still a fairly decent crowd or, or is it, you know, the same crowd, but maybe just a little bit more energy. What, what's that experience? Like I, I was one of the first people uh, into Pinnacle bank arena just uh, as they were doing the final, um, I guess, preparations for it uh, years ago before it ever opened up. I, I went up to Lincoln. In fact, the last time I was in Lincoln and I did an audition to be the uh, women's play by or not play by play, but women's um, uh, public address announcer. Uh, for women's basketball obviously didn't get the gig and they thought that it was crazy that somebody from illinois was auditioning anyway because they're like you know we only pay per diem you know it's not it's not a full-time you know job with benefits i'm like yeah it's okay i work in radio you know i'll find a job uh you know that that (laughs) didn't work but but i remember being there on a rainy uh like september or october afternoon and I was like, I was impressed with it being completely empty. I can't imagine what it's like when it's full and, and there's that, you know, capacity crowd in there and, and they're just going crazy like like they did against uh, in that game against Minnesota. Um, you know, even the smaller games, it, it fills up pretty well. It doesn't totally fill up, but uh, the top two, the first tier, there's basically three separate tiers. First tier fills up pretty well. Uh, the only time the student section really doesn't is during holidays. You'll see a big drop off during those. Uh, second tier does pretty well. The third one's where things get um, a little little patchy up there. But I mean, people show up even for the lesser games. Uh, but it's the Minnesota ga- games like Minnesota the other night, uh, where where the fans really show up. Even if Nebraska's look like they're going to get blown out of the water, uh, the fans will show up. And I think that's a, a, a testament to the conference we play in. Um, Indiana's down this year. They've got a new coach. Crean's gone. I would be sh- surprised if that place wasn't near full for that game. I mean, just to give you one example. Let's talk a little bit about you know this team, where they're at, uh, ten games in, and then having that nice win, you know, ten point win. You, you think it, Tim Miles has, has done it? Before, I mean, he's gone on the road. He, you know, for a little while, he was. It was Michigan State that Nebraska always would would seem to upset. Um, but at home, in front of the home crowd, a ten point win over the number fourteen team in the country. And anybody who read your uh, write up on coronation dot com, Nebraska jumps out to an early lead, and at no point did they ever feel like that was a game that they were could lose you know isn't that the the kind of the feeling that you got watching that was um hey you know what we're not only gonna be competitive in this thing but let's just go out and have some fun and let's just win the gosh darn thing no i i agree and and i'd like to start by saying going into this season it was very hard to gauge how this nebraska team would be last year did not go well we had seven departures including you know leading scorer ty webster Glenn Watson Jr. was the number two guy, and he came back. We had 
two two guys, Isaac Copeland, James Palmer Jr., who were tra- who had transferred in or were transferring in, never played um, in the Scarlet and Cream. And you, you talk to anybody who followed basketball, everybody's just automatically guessing Nebraska would be at the bottom because of the history. And there was no, no real proof that they would do anything. And as this season has gone on, they have progressively gotten better. They do, I mean, don't get me wrong, they've had some bad, bad losses, but I think they've learned from them, unlike past teams, and they've progressed on. Minnesota, Nebraska came out, punched Minnesota in the face, and never let up. Now, the goal here would be to do this the rest of the season, which is tough. I mean, they're college athletes. They've got 30-some games a season to play, depending on how far they go. It's going to be tough to do that. But they're in the middle of a four-game stretch where they're playing four-ranked opponents, starting with Michigan. Um, and, and it's going to be tough. If Nebraska can stay, stay consistent, they, they should do well. They really should do well. Um, but let's let's see how they do against Creighton. Let's see who, how they do against Kansas, who got beat last night. <laughs> um, before we really kind of gauge, I feel like before we can really gauge how well this team could possibly do this year. I, I like that you mentioned Creighton. Uh, of course, that is a game coming up this weekend, but it also is fitting that I'm having this conversation with you <laughs> and not our uh, self-proclaimed he admits it. Uh, very own coordination.com Jasker in Haas Reuter. Uh, you know, he claims he's like, well, you know, Omaha's right there. I'm a Gretna native. Uh, you know, and, and that's not Haas. I know you're listening to this. That's not like a Haas impersonation. That's just me paraphrasing what you've told me. <laughs> Both. He's, he, he's a complex man. <laughs> he, yeah. He, and his <laughs> uh, made only more complex by his affinity for Coors Banquet. Uh, <laughs> that that sparked an interesting uh, Tuesday morning conversation in the uh, Slack chat room about no, beers. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, so that is, it really has, and I don't know, maybe it's, Maybe it has just been since I – how am I trying? I'm trying to word this in a way that makes sense. Maybe it's just my own perception or observation, um, but it seems to me that since Tim Miles came around, uh, that Nebraska-Creighton matchup has been a little bit more intense. Uh, the rivalry has been a little bit more intense since Nebraska joined the Big Ten, which, I mean, obviously it's a non-conference either way. Uh, is that just my perception or, or just my observation because I've, I've kind of started following Nebraska basketball in the last few years, or has it always just kind of been that intense and I'm just now kind of noticing it, or has there really been an, an uptick in, in the uh, intensity and the competition between these two teams? Well, if – if the intensity has gone up, it sure hasn't shown on the court because Tim Miles has yet to beat Creighton. And in fact, lifetime, I think he's like one in 13 against McDermott. And this goes back when they were coaching against each other in like division two ball. <laughs> so, um, you know, for a, a while there, Nebraska Creighton would go back and forth. Uh, Doc Sadler did okay against them. Um, Barry Colliers, I think around the time when Creighton started getting really good, uh, so, and that's when the, really it started getting hot, but, um, last few years, if anything, it's a bitterness from the Nebraskan side because they haven't yet to beat, uh, the city up North, <laughs> uh, so to speak, but you know, it's, it's frustrating and, and Nebraska just hasn't lost to them. 
they've been blown out of the water. Right. And until the last couple of weeks where Creighton's shown some issues on defense and Nebraska's actually improved, I kind of thought that it was going to be another year like that. But uh, after this last these last two weeks, I feel like Nebraska's got a decent chance against them up at uh, CenturyLink. Is that going to be a home game for Nebraska or is it a road game? Uh, it's a road game. It'll be up in Omaha. Okay. Right. It'll be up in Omaha, but I think I saw something earlier on Twitter that it's they're going to try to do a red out. But, you know, I mean, it's a good showing from both crowds. <laughs> I mean, it really is. Both fan bases show up well to it. And I would imagine um, with the proximity, I mean, it's not hard to get people from Lincoln to drive to that city up there. And, uh, um, you know, vice versa, obviously, Lincoln is greater than Omaha, so Omahaans mm-hmm. want to come down to Lincoln and and take in the spectacle that is the Pinnacle Bank Arena. So yeah, I mean, it completely makes sense. Oh, if I if I had a dime for every uh, Creighton Blue Jay fan of my friend of mine who asked me if I had any extra basketball tickets when it's in Lincoln, you know, I mean, they they come down in droves too. So <laughs> and, and and as you mentioned, since uh, the Pinnacle Bank Arena opened up and and that's really become a um, resurgence in the Haymarket area. Uh, so they want to come and have some good food uh, mm-hmm. there. So perfect makes perfect sense. Um, what is? And I know you you said that you know end of the or, or not end of middle of the uh, Big Ten pack. What what would be a realistic or is it too early uh, to make any predictions? But a realistic postseason prediction for this Nebraska team if they. Uh, I'm not saying, you know, they play at the level that they, you know, every night like they played against Minnesota earlier in the week. But if they play some consistent basketball, what could they achieve? That's a great question. At this point, I would say this team um, with, uh, you know, a couple upsets in their road, they beat everybody they should beat or most teams they should beat and they pull off some upsets. I say this team could most likely make the NIT and not just squeaking in, but probably middle tier NIT. If they go hard and actually get a little bit traction in the, in the big 10 tournament, I could maybe see them on paper. They have enough talent to make the NCAA tournament, but it's going to be squeaking in. I think on that point, um, it, they're going to have to win some style points down the road to really get in there. Um, I, I said at the beginning of the season, for Tim Miles' sake, they're going to have to easily make top end NIT for this to be a successful season. I think is is uh, that like you said that top end NIT is that what is, is Miles still on a hot seat? I guess what I'm trying to say does he have to show marked improvement or be terminated? I mean we we saw what happened with the last uh, coaching hire of Sean Eichhorst, obviously Tim Miles. I believe Miles was an Eichhorst hire. He was Osborne. Oh, okay, that's right, yeah, for, for the brief Which window. is an entirely different conversation altogether. Right, so we're, okay. Um, yeah, because that, that, yeah, okay. I, we'll, we'll just drop that topic. But but is, is, is Tim, is, is Coach Miles, is he on, on the hot seat? I mean, does, does he have to make a postseason tournament or – or be terminated. I mean, where if he doesn't make the NIT, I'd be surprised if he if he if he's back next year. You know, at the lowest, I would say he has to make the NIT. 
Uh, he, he, and if he doesn't make the NIT, there's got to be some really good reasons on the court, uh, like maybe some injuries or whatnot, that even if that happens, there has to be enough improvement seen. You know, it's he's on his sixth year. Um, the university's dumped a ton of resources into the basketball program. Sure. Everything's pretty much been on his shoulders for why things haven't gone a certain way. Yeah, I, I would say he has to make at least middle tier NIT. Okay, um, maybe bottom, and if he makes bottom, he's got to make it through at least two or three, you know, at least two rounds of the NIT. You know, he can't just make it and then lose the first game. I don't think that'd be enough. If he, I, I say he, but if the team gets, you know, has that type of outstanding season, maybe they have a, a decent run in the Big Ten tournament, um, and make it to the NCAA tournament, even if they don't win, which, again, would suck. And it, I said last year, it, listeners may remember last year we did the uh, little Christmas wish list. We might have to do that again uh, this year with the Coronation crew, a little Christmas wish list of what they hope to see with Nebraska athletics in the in the coming year. Might have to, you know, I know it's the end of the first week of December and time is short. Might have to work on that. But... Um, at, at that point last year, I said, you know, I really want Tim Miles to get that first, you know, NCAA tournament win for the Huskers. If they make the tournament and we see the similar type of ending that we saw a few years ago, is that enough to, I mean, does that show marked improvement from the last couple of years? Um, one thing you got to realize about that NCAA tournament run that we had a few years ago was uh, we 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 squeaked in there. Uh, there was a lot of wins that got us into the NCAA tournament that were barely a win at all. Statistically, you look at the end of the year, we were bottom or near bottom a majority of Big Ten statistics in terms of rankings. Um, that team, at the end of a game, overperformed more than, the, than what they should have. Uh, what happened against Baylor... If you look at it, face value is pretty much what it was. They got blown out by a team who deserved to be in the NCAA tournament, um, which is why the next year was such a letdown. Not only did we lose some guys, but the numbers from the previous year really did show through the next. And, I mean, it was just it was disappointing. Um, and I think most people realize that. And I hope at least the administration understands that. Uh, if Nebraska makes an NCAA tournament this year, I say Miles stays on. I really do because they will show. Because to, to make the NCAA tournament this year, they are going to have to show enough progress to get there in the first place, which is going to be leaps and bounds over the past two years. Sure. So I mean, just that alone. I mean, it's just that alone. You got you got to understand like the types of teams that make the NCAA tournament, the talent that goes into it. And and the money. Unlike football, you really do need to step back with basketball and kind of take a look at the bigger picture and really see where you're at, which I know is really tough for Husker fans to do because uh, so many of our fans are football first, which is perfectly understandable. In a lot of ways, I am too. But you can't look at Nebraska ball the way you do football. You really, really can't. The um, scandal. Can we use the word scandal that that affected so much of college basketball? Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> or, you know, a few months ago. Safe to say that Nebraska got through relatively unscathed 
uh, in that because I mean I don't I don't I don't re- even though we're an Adidas team yeah in yeah, fact no, now now thanks to Louisville we're I think we're we're Adidas is number one number one we're we're number one yeah exactly no kidding it's um no that was bad and I remember when it came out I I didn't even have to check my my heart deep in my heart I knew that Nebraska was not not a part of that because. Yeah. The teams that got in trouble were teams that uh, were getting <laughs> recruits that were, uh, you know, and, and and part of this was also uh, under I-Course. I-Course was very black and white when it came to recruiting. Sure. Um, he was not big on the AAU, which a lot of basketball schools are. Um, Lincoln, you, uh, Lincoln, Nebraska's got a good AAU program. You know how many guys we've gotten out of it? None. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's. It's just that's a gray area that was just uncomfortable for Nebraska. Now, could that line up with moves? You never know. But uh, just looking, I mean, if Nebraska has bag men and and stuff like that, like we've got some of if if we do, there's some of the worst ones in the nation. There's I mean, they're the poorest bag men out there. Oh my God! I, it just—I mean, it's—and I'm t- football and basketball, whatever sport you want. We, we've got to have some of the worst uh, because I mean, just look at football recruiting, where we have a four-star leave us two days before signing, right? And it's to a team that you are fairly comfortable. Oh heck, let's just say one of them already got nailed with sanctions in the past two <laughs> weeks. Um, so I mean, it's oh God, like Nebraska was so. Adidas was looking at Nebraska, going, "Thank God we have you." Our uh, <laughs> our, our bag men are offering a Big Mac and a stick of gum. Uh, that's okay. not going to get the job done, and, and that's with cash. <laughs> Through the first ten games uh, of the Nebraska ball season, who would you say is the MVP of the team, and uh, who would you say, I guess, would be most improved? Uh, and if I, I try to keep it positive, but if you want to go, you know, like who's getting regular time that maybe needs to to step it up a little bit more, you know, that's a little bit of a downside. But but uh, who, you know, give me three players who, you know, like I said, MVP through ten games, uh, most improved, and someone who needs, you know, a, a little bit more bench time or a little bit more time in the gym before he sees as much playing time as he's seeing. Yeah, um, no, that's that's really good. Uh, it's, there's really top three guys, and it kind of depends on the game. They kind of they've kind of gone back and forth, and I think a lot of it has to do with two of them because they're new to the program. But uh, Glenn Watson Jr. would probably be eking them out just a little bit. Uh, Glenn Watson Jr. would probably be my MVP. I mean, he's he's leading the team in points per game. Um, he's doing well, rebounds per game, assists. Uh, he's kind of our best all around player right mm-hmm. now. Uh, does fairly decent on defense. James Palmer Jr. has had some really, really good games, but he's also had a couple games that weren't too great. Uh, Isaac Copeland um, started slow, but then again, we weren't even sure if we we're going to have him right away. Um, but he's come, he's come well. Uh, if I remember right, I think he was one of the guys who had a little surgery in the off season, so that was that was a part of the reason why. But I would say Glenn Watson Jr. is probably at now MVP. Uh, in terms of guys who have improved the most, uh, first one that pops into mind would definitely be Anton Gill. Uh, he was a transfer from Louisville. He was just he was disappointing to me last year. Uh, he was struggling. I think he should have produced a lot more than he did. Uh, this year right now, he's he's averaging almost 10 points a game. 
Um, he's 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 playing finally up to the to the level to where uh, a school like Louisville would recruit him. Um, another one who's hit or miss. Um, Isaiah Roby's been good off the bench. Uh, he's averaging, I think, about six and a half, seven points a game. He has good games and really bad games, <laughs> but um, he's he's a guy. He's going to be good down the road, um, and he's doing well coming off the bench. Uh, so I, I would say, yeah, Anton Gill and Isaiah Roby's been been a big surprise. Tell me, talk to me about uh, Jordy, because how is he? Um, improved in the off season, and and again, I'm 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 guessing that especially with Ed Morrow out of the picture, he got a lot more of the focus in the off season, a lot more of the reps. Yeah, no, Jordy Jordy's Jordy's come a long way. Um, he he struggled a little bit last year. Um, he's not the most productive guy. Uh, he's I think around three three four points per game average uh, rebounds. He, he's doing pretty well. He's 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 a big guy. He's six foot eleven. He's two. 70 i want to say yeah and i mean he's just a big guy and he's learning to throw his body around he's he's a sophomore so you know that first freshman year he got thrown out into the wolves especially in the big 10 big 10's a big conference when it comes down to it so he is kind of a trial by fire but he he's come out pretty well dominated pretty well in the paint but he's still he's still got a little ways to go um case in point was uh st john's game where we were definitely outsizing them by far and he was kind of non-existent <laughs> to the most part. But St. John's had a good game plan. Um, they're a better team than people realize, I think. Uh, but, no, he's he's good. He will get better. If if he doesn't improve over time, I would be shocked. Um, but he's, he's a big man that Nebraska hasn't had in a very long time. And he's, he's definitely been a very welcome sight, you know. So it's it's kind of hard to compare him to anybody in our past because most of our big guys were either absurdly large out of Brazil who could barely make it up and down the court <laughs> or really, really skinny from Germany or where I can't remember. I'm just kicking guys off the top of my head without saying names. But it's we've been very inconsistent in the paint in terms of big guy. And he's he's a good, solid presence who uh, just needs to keep grinding away. And, and again, improvement. It, I mean, he's improved from last year, obviously, as you said, uh, thrown to the Wolves, uh, and he's only a sophomore. Looking forward to more improvement from him. Uh, I mean, who knows what he could be two years from now as a senior? He could he could be a beast. He could be, you know, all Big Ten, all conference type of type of athlete if he keeps, you know, steadily improving. Um, before we get on to so some football talk and, and all the excitement and all the buzz that that happened last week. Um, as you mentioned earlier, uh, you know, so one of the probably the reason uh, that you don't make it down to Pinnacle Bank Arena as often as you did is because a little over a year ago you became a dad. Um, so I'm, I'm also a dad, and, and our you know kids are a, a few months apart, and I know my son's going to be two uh, two days before Christmas. And and yours is what around thirteen, fourteen months? Yeah, fifteen. Fifteen. Okay. So right, you know, there's a, a few months difference, but uh still, you know, within a year. What are some of the biggest challenges that, that you've faced in in fatherhood? You know, there's a certain coordination author who would really appreciate this podcast right now. 
I think this would be very educational for him. Can, can we congratulate? I, th- I think it's time. I think it's been on social media, so we can congratulate Ty and Kia. Yeah, congratulations, Ty. He he is our stellar volleyball writer for Coordination. He does a phenomenal job. If you're not reading his articles, you're missing out on some great volleyball action. But uh, he, we're going to dock him a, a day's pay because he didn't get out the the, the regional update uh, today like he he was supposed to. Because you know his kids. He didn't. His kid, yeah. As we record this, his kid's twenty eight months or twenty eight hours old. <laughs> so no, Ty, we're kidding. Uh, I, you know, life life changes and everything else. So yeah, uh, congratulations to Ty and Kia. But but uh, yeah, what what are some of those challenges? Some of those uh, hurdles that you've uh, uh, overcome in in the first fifteen months? Um, you don't need sleep as much as you realize. I call bullshit on that. <laughs> <laughs> I think, at least in my house, it's you get it where you can get it. <laughs> yeah, you get it, but, but that's my point. You don't need as much as you realize. You know, you can run off two, three hours of sleep. You'd be surprised how much you can get done <laughs> in a work day, uh, especially if you have to use your brain a lot um, oh, with only so many that. hours a week. Uh, another thing, if you're into working out and going to the gym and stuff like that, yeah, it's, it's time to take a few months off. It's not <laughs> happening. It's not, it, I think it was six months before I hit the gym again. Um, trying to think of anything else. Uh, you know, you know that. Do you, do you work out at all? Uh, no. Do you know? Do you know what pre workout is? Uh huh. Pre workout's your friend. <laughs> Red Bull's got nothing on it. No, no. Um, yeah, just you know, you'd be surprised. All of a sudden, you're looking at your pre workout, going, "Well, I don't need." Oh man, I I got to power through this, and um, yeah, you don't use it every day, but every once in a while, it's a good pick me up. Um, so that, that, that that's just the fun end of it, but uh, your your life changes very quickly. Um, all of a sudden, you and your spouse become as much of a team as ever, um, and it's it's I'm not gonna lie, it's fun. It it has everything been. we just talked about. It's fun. <laughs> I enjoy it. <laughs> I'll, I'll say this. Um, I never got it. Even when I did go to the gym a few years ago before uh, our son was born, and I was going at 5 in the morning, uh, five mm-hmm. days a week, I never got into pre-workout. Um, it, it, I, I don't you know, disparage those who do. Just I never mm-hmm. – I never probably because I never could afford to buy pre-workout, but that's a different story. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, I my caffeine is coffee. Um mm-hmm. And and Brian, he would get a kick out of this. Actually, he probably yell at me uh, for bringing it up. But there's a, a, a soda or a pop, as I like to say, uh, around here uh, called Ski, and it's a citrus soda, but it's made with pure cane sugar instead of high fructose corn syrup. Um, and it's it's amazing. Uh, real lemon, real orange, real good mm-hmm. uh, is its catchphrase. So I used to drink that you know, by the 20 ounce and I'd get a couple of 20 ounces, uh, in a day, but I gave up soda. So I obviously had to give up ski. I mentioned Brian because one time when we went down to Dallas, I took him a case of ski and he was very appreciative. Um, he, he chose that over Pepsi. Uh, yeah, he, he, <laughs> he, he loved the ski, uh, so much so that Kelly, his wife, uh, I think, uh, made mention of it, you know, having too much ski in the fridge at one time or something like that. I don't know. She, I think she liked the ski too, but um, uh, I, that that's more speculation. I can't prove that. Um, 
But yeah, I just drink coffee now. Um, mm-hmm. And this little thing that my wife picked up called Spark from Advocare. I don't know. If oh you... yeah, I, I've had that. Okay, yeah. so I I do that as well. Um, but that's not too far off from pre workout, if I remember right. No, I I don't think it's I... really not. And I only started I started using pre workout a little before my son was born, and that was because I was going to the gym at four a.m. Oh, that's worse than five a.m. Yeah, and I'm and I'm back <laughs> to doing four a.m.s. Ouch. So, um, hey, you got to get it in somehow. It's kind of like my one way. It's it's my one way to get any type of workout done. That's fair. Throughout the week. And All then right. I come home and by uh, 5.15, 5.30, he's awake and uh, <laughs> I'm on dad duty again. So what um, <laughs> did you get a lot of those early morning calls, you know, like calls of, of uh, being a dad? Because I I powered through with my sleep i i quote unquote didn't hear him very often <laughs> you know those first ones i think it drove my wife crazy you know i actually the first few months my, uh, my son was good with me during the day but he wanted nothing to do with me for the first three or four months at night mm-hmm. like if i went in to comfort him in the middle of the night wouldn't have anything to do with me mom come in pass right back out right. and then once he got over that I it, things flipped. So now my wife sleeps mostly through the night. If he wakes up more than two or three times, then she gets up with him if she, you know, helps out with it. But for more, more often than not, I'm pretty much the one now. And it's funny because we have a pretty noisy room. I can sleep through everything, but once he starts whining, I normally get up. I um, and I just automatically get up. Yeah, and, and you know, with with my wife working nights, you know, I know that. I got to be responsible. So, so what, you know, he gets up, I keep the monitor right next to my, uh, you know, it's on the nightstand right next to my bed. And so I keep the volume up if he, but he doesn't, like I've never really heard him like wake up screaming in the middle of the night. And sometimes even if he does, I'll just look at him, see if he does it for more than 20, 30 seconds and I'll go in and check on him. But a lot of times he'll just calm down and empower down and, and go back to sleep. Um, where, what all have you guys done as a family? Like, where where have you taken him? Have you been able to get out and explore the area or the town much? We've done a little bit. Um, in laws are in Omaha, so if anything, we go to Omaha. Uh, went to Steamboat last winter, uh, family vacation, um, and that was kind of the first major trip. Uh, his aunt lived in Chicago for a while. And so he made a couple plane trips early on to see her oh, cool. with his mom. Yeah, he the the kid's been to eight states before he was one. <laughs> um, yeah, I kind of looked at him and what the heck. But then we found out this summer that he's got a couple allergies, Uh-oh. some food allergies. So we've kind of gone into lockdown mode. Sure. <laughs> just just until you know we're still trying to figure things out with that, how to deal with them. Um, Cross contamination is always a concern. So basically, this first year or two. Until he really starts speaking, we're kind of just, you know, going to places we we know and trust, family family houses and stuff sure. like that. So we we we've pulled back on traveling. How about you? Um, uh, really, the only place that we've take uh, we took him was Omaha back in Memorial Day week of 2016. So he was about five months old, um, and from Illinois to Omaha was a long drive. I mean, it's a long drive normally, but when you've got a five-month-old and you've got to stop and feed and change and get out and stretch and get him out of the car seat, it became about a 10-and-a-half, an 11-hour drive 
one way. And uh, most of that was with my wife sitting. We we bought a van uh, because of him. Um, it was easier getting him in and out of that than my wife's charger at the time. Um, I think she misses the charger. I do too. But this is <laughs> you know this is more practical because uh, that charger had a Hemi. But uh, you know I I sold Chrysler, so we got a Chrysler van. Um, but uh, so she, you know, pretty much sat in the back with him the entire way and they would sleep and then i'm up front and i'm like this is one of the more boring car rides i've ever been a part of <laughs> radio's down a little bit not too loud but yeah that, that that's roughly the same you think he was five or six months old when we took him out to colorado and yeah lots of stops lots of checking on him uh my wife was phenomenal on entertaining him for a good chunk of that route um I did what I could when she drove. Sure. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, that age, you just kind of try to keep their focus when they're not sleeping. And, you know, they're eating a lot. So, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, my hats off to my wife for that trip. <laughs> uh, mobile? Up and moving around, your boy? Oh, God, he's never not mobile. Yeah. yeah no, he's, he, he doesn't sit well um, at all. Uh, you know, after naps, we'll be able to, you know, get him to sit and watch TV for a little sure. bit, but more often than not, I'm just, you're basically just Chasing. following him around the house. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I have noticed because we also have two dogs, uh, and I've noticed that, and this is not, I, at least I hope this isn't coming across as child abuse, but m- our son plays fetch better than the dogs. Like if you take his ball and bounce <laughs> it against the wall or something, he'll go get it and then bring it back and be like, that's fun, do it again. Where if you do that, and I say, you know, my one dog, uh, one of the dog's name, her name is Lucky. I let Lucky go get the ball, and she'll raise her head up off the couch and look at me and put her head back down like, I've got no time for you, you know. <laughs> um, so we, this isn't important because it's seasonal, because it's December and, you know, Christmas trees and decorations and things like that. How high do you actually start the ornaments on the tree so that they can't be taken off, smashed, broken, you know, damaged in any way? Like, is it two feet off the ground before you're, you know, two feet up the tree before you actually start decorating the tree? We didn't put up a tree this year. Well, answers that question. <laughs> we, we, we have a small one on a table that we put a handful of ornaments on. Uh, we kept our big tree in our basement this year. I asked my wife if she was interested, and she was pretty flat, like, no. <laughs> and I, I don't disagree with her. So We, uh, we also have bookshelves um, that have books but also movies. And it got to the point of like, you know, nobody don't take the movie off the bookshelf. Nobody don't chew on the on the movie case. So we put all all the movies back in boxes and and put them back in the closet. I uh, got I mean, again, that's mobility and that's kids being kids. Um, anything like that? Any any casualties in, in the house because of because of the child? We're, we're t- uh, see, Ty, as you're listening to this, take notes. We're, we're well, I was going to say, you. Ty, there's no such thing as too much baby proofing. <laughs> Never. There are things you're going to be like, oh, he won't bother that. He won't look at that. Oh, he'll he'll be he'll 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 sniff it out, beeline for it, and knock whatever it is over. Um, nothing major. He loves tipping over chairs. <laughs> like like we we have some big old you know like antique wood you know just sure. big like school house esque wooden chairs. Likes to go up right behind it and just flip it. He's been doing it for months. <laughs> just likes to flip it um we should also yeah i mean that's kind of the big thing if anything we we have a couple dogs two pugs 
and he they don't they could care less for him oh. mainly because he chases them around <laughs> like we, we keep trying to teach him nice pets and like there, there's been times where he like I swear he was gonna. He, he was smiling and giggling, and he was gonna rip the pug's face off. I, I could. I mean, it just. You know, if you've got animals, um, they got to adapt. They do. Yeah, they got to adapt. And we we've got our, our boy pretty well. I mean, he'll stand there if the dogs are again laying on the couch because that's all they do. Uh, you know, he'll he'll pet them calmly, and then he'll turn around and he'll come back. Couple minutes later, and all of a sudden he'll just whack one of them on the nose. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Don't do that. <laughs> exactly. Know, so, one thing, so, one thing ours does do well is he does kind of play fetch with them. Like he will bring them toys and balls and let them take it out of his hand. Oh, okay. Which is actually kind of cool to see because you're like, oh, he's going to get his hand ripped off. No, it actually works out really well. So wonderful, tremendous. Um, <laughs> let's finish up the conversation with something that had. Everybody in Husker Nation uh, talking over the weekend. I was watching the uh, AAC, I think that's what, yeah, AAC conference championship yep. game Saturday while I was helping my buddy uh, put up lights on his house. I was the one on the roof. That's right. If you're keeping track at home, I was on the my friend's roof on his slanted shingles hanging Christmas lights while he was on the ground because... I'm 6'3", and he's not. So it was beneficial to have the tall person up there. Uh, so he's feeding me scores and updates and double overtimes and things like that. Um, and we all expected it, but there was that little uh, news, that, that breaking news, uh, I guess, scrolling uh, text at the bottom of the screen. Late in the regulation that said that Scott Frost was named the new uh, Nebraska football head coach. Um, when you got that or when you saw it on Twitter or in, in the Slack, what was your initial reaction when you saw that everything that we had kind of speculated or perhaps everything that we had uh, thought or hoped or dreamed had happened? Big sigh of relief. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because throughout last week, uh, either coaches that I thought Nebraska was going to get, they either – possibly I think went elsewhere or they got contract major contract extensions. So if it wasn't Scott Frost, we were in for a world of hurt. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, it was for me, it was just, it was relief. And then just kind of followed by, you know, kind of a euphoria. How about you? I, again, and I think it was tempered because I was on my friend's roof and I didn't want to die, <laughs> like fall off. That was a that was an actual concern. That's how steep this roof was. Um, but I'm like, okay, that's great. But I so I was very calm with it until the next day when they had the introduction and the press conference, uh, and just the way you know I thought Frost handled the questions. Um, you know some of the things when I don't. I, I can't remember who the uh, particular member of the media was, but you know when they uh, said, "How do you think you're going to have to modify your system to fit the Big Ten? And he says, "Well, I'm hoping they have to modify, you know, their plan for us. You know, things like that. He comes in a little bit of swagger, 
uh, because he's had success. You, know, you see what he did at UCF, um, but he's he's I, I don't want to say hometown, but you know he's he's homegrown. He's homegrown talent. He understands that he he's been elsewhere, you know, to play. But he also played for Nebraska. He won a championship for Nebraska, the last uh, national championship. Obviously, there was the the conference championship a few years later. Uh, but then he went out and coached, and he learned from some of the best. Um, and now he's bringing all of that cumulative knowledge back to Lincoln. So when he made a comment like that and, you know, kind of joke, but kind of serious. And like I said, a little bit of that, um, I don't want to call it arrogance or cockiness, but a little bit of that confidence, you know, we, that's not, I, I, I'd say that was a step above coach speech. Um, he could have said, well, you know, he, he could have towed the coach speak line and said, oh, you know, we're going to, you know, start really heavily looking at some film and seeing what what they're doing and and how to adjust but he came in with the sense of I've got something that I know works they're not doing it so we're going to make them change how they play football when he said that I popped um man I I got a big kick out of that but nothing I think meant as much to me as seeing the video and there are a couple versions of the video, but I like the official Huskers one and you can see it in the write up here. I know you've seen it on coordination already. Um, but, uh, the video of him meeting all the, uh, Husker letterman, you know, hundred, 200, something like that, uh, before that press conference, um, you know, that they had 12, 18 hours to, you know, get that put together and they all file in there and, and he meets them and he appreciates, you know, shows his gratitude and his appreciation. And he says, uh, good to see you boys, you know, kind of comes in with that. And obviously, you know, a lot of these players, you know, former players are older than him, but he, he comes in as their peer, uh, you know, being a former Husker. Uh, he says, we got to, we got to get this thing back and I need your help. I don't think any of the former, you know, four, I'll say three, maybe I, you know, Riley didn't, Bellini, I'm certain didn't, and Callahan didn't. Nobody had that. Nobody had those roots. They, nobody had those connections to the history and to the tradition. Uh, so he said, "I'm going to need your help." And he made the joke of, you know, I want your ideas unless they're bad, you know, things like that. Um, very lighthearted, but serious approach to it and and well received i mean i i said before on the show that there's going to be one hire that they can make that's going to unite the fan base and they made that hire um i'm thrilled i i really am so excited with what the future holds uh for the program um and i hope you know i know it's a seven-year contract uh my hope is that if things start slow if if he starts with the foundation and doesn't go you know 13 and 0 after his second year I hope the fans don't turn on him um because we kind of have a tendency to do that uh as a fan base we kind of get a little split and say you know oh he's not getting the job done we gotta we gotta fire him you know um but I, I'm I'm so excited and I think he's got the support from uh, you know the the alumni, the former players, things like that. I I think they made a good call, and I, I like I said, I'm I'm pretty well tickled that he's back in Lincoln. Yeah, now all he has to do is you know, like you said, win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I think Husker fandom will give him slack. 
Um, he he didn't need to come back here. No, he um, didn't. He could have stayed at UCF. He could have gone to another place where it would have been tougher for him to succeed. Um, I mean, there's some pretty big programs out there right now in some pretty rough situations. Um, I think everybody has their coaches now, but uh, he could have taken any one of those Power Five positions, and he didn't. Um, and, and it's and I and I and I think he did it for all the right reasons. And I think he should have all the tools. Uh, you know, people say you know the '90s will never happen again, and that's fine. But we just need to get back to respectability. And I think he can do that. And look at how he and some of the other coaches that he's brought in have already started attacking the recruiting trail. It Holy did, cow, have they? It didn't take long, and and I know that this has been you know much. Uh, discussed much, much talked about, not just from Coronation, but you know most Husker fans is uh, Iowa Western Community College, right there across you know in Council Bluffs. That was essentially a, a you know that was supposed to be a built-in pipeline, and I believe by by Osborne, who you know was I don't know set it up. I I feel like he I, I read somewhere that he was somewhat in, integral in that. In establishing that program, but um, that, that's like the first place they went, and that's a no-brainer because other schools have been picking up that talent for a long time, and yet right there, nobody from Lincoln decided to make that trip up to Council Bluffs and and uh, see what they had to offer. It's definitely not too far away from Manhattan. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, I think I, I, they've got had Kansas State program off i think off that off that school <laughs> some years so I, i'm i'm pumped and i know it's not the traditional option offense that uh you know husker fans are used to seeing but but i think it was hoss uh that made the uh observation that it's it's an offense with options out of every you know out of every formation every play call you you can do various things so it's not the traditional triple option, but it's an offense with options. Um, he's bringing in, you know, or, or looking to bring in some some big talent. Uh, Terry Wilson's a name. I think he went and somebody went and talked with Bookie, you know, trying to get some of these guys that you know Bookie was a Husker commit and then he decommitted and maybe trying to get him back. Uh, Bookie's a recent, you know, as of the last week or so, and now a five star cornerback uh, recruit. So he he's not wasting any time. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be able to coach UCF in their bowl game. Um, if that works, you know, out for him and for that team, great. If I know that he doesn't also, also doesn't want to step in as a distraction, uh, so it seems like he's got. I don't know, all the. You know, his head and his heart are in the right place, and he doesn't want to do anything that's going to cause either. You know, that's going to be a detriment to either Nebraska or UCF, and that's that's about all you can ask. No, I agree. I agree. In fact, um, as we're recording this, the Home Depot, whatever awards is going on, he he won Coach of the Year. He did. Um, and you know, it's funny because I think some of the early write-ups said Nebraska coach Scott Frost, and and uh, somebody on Twitter took issue with that, and I saw that uh, Haas commenting like, "I actually agree that with the issue." That he he didn't earn that at Nebraska, he earned that at UCF, and so it should say, I don't know if they say former UCF head coach or uh, however they could uh, 
you know, worded. But yeah, he didn't. Or he could be coach of the year next year at Nebraska. He's coach of the year this year at uh, University of Central Florida. So, but yeah, props. No, to I him. agree. I agree. <laughs> um, I'm excited. I'm excited for you know what they bring and and you know I do feel and it's funny because right there at coronation.com we had a uh, uh, article about this today about looking forward at the depth chart for quarterback and I do feel like it puts Tanner Lee in a real bind uh, because I feel like Frost is going to want I mean he's talking to Terry Wilson who's a, a Juco transfer he's you know talking to other players it's like who you know, does he sit down with Tanner at some point and say, "Man, we appreciate what you've done, and you're more than welcome to stick around"? Or if you want to go to the NFL, or you know, try your luck at the draft, things like that. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the future holds for Tanner Lee or even a, a POB. It's going to be real interesting in the next few months as we get into the spring practices. Yeah, I mean, uh, our offense, our offensive outlook is probably going to change considerably, at least a lot faster than it has historically with coaching changes, you know, uh, Pelini took time to transfer, you know, what he wanted to do from Callahan and, and Riley took what he had and utilized it to what he could for at least the first couple of years with, with Tommy Armstrong. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a lot faster with Scott Frost. Is that fair to say? And it makes sense. I mean, at one point or, or, or on, in one hand, uh, I'd say you play the cards you're dealt, but at the same time, you know, if you're, you know, playing go fish, you know, <laughs> like we will with our children eventually someday. Uh, and you'd be like, got any threes? And, uh, and he hands you a three because that's, if you can get it to better, if you can get, he, I think Frost needs the best player to fit his scheme. And I don't know, you know, again, Nebraska fans are hungry. And we don't want to necessarily wait. I think there are a lot of people who think that this is the second coming. Um, and for Scott Frost it is, but not for Jesus. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, who think that uh, uh, with all – with his return that we're going to see immediate changes in, and we need to temper our expectations. And I think we just need to, you know, wait and kind of hit, hit, hit on cruise control, I guess, the wait-and-see approach and, uh, and see what he has planned because, like I said – uh, we don't know what's going on in the man's head. We know that he's recruiting speed. He wants to, you know, he wants to move fast, and uh, hopefully, he wants to build up the, the linemen because uh, that that's going to drive Hoss crazy. <laughs> yeah, it will. It uh, you're going to get some good articles out of Hoss here in the future. <laughs> I think so. I, I think some really good articles. <laughs> he, he's he's already starting to break down UCF films and and uh, things Perfect. like that. So. Um, as long as he stays away from the defense, I think it'll be worthwhile. Who, Scott or, or Haas? Haas. Oh. <laughs> Stay away from UCF defense. <laughs> yeah, and here's an, another weird thing, because UCF has their new head coach in the uh, uh, the two-year offensive coordinator at Missouri who took Missouri's you know 125th-ranked offense and turned it into a top-10 uh, offense in two years. So that's kind of interesting as well, and the fact that – the fact that Missouri is going to a bowl game in Nebraska is not really has me a little bit dead inside. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what to think about that. But uh, Nebraska will be back. I'm confident in saying that. I, I think everything, all the pieces are in place. 
uh, to do it and do it right. Nope, I fully agree. Well, on that note, when we agree, folks, that means it's time to uh, end the show. And, and Patrick, thanks for uh, staying up late because, as you said, you go to the gym at 4 in the morning and you have a 15-month-old, so sleep is at a premium and I'm keeping you up late. So I appreciate the time. Um, but let's get together again in, in a few weeks and talk some more Nebraska ball and uh, maybe Haas will be available after uh, you know school is out and, and he can come play with his friends and and we can we can uh, have a good conversation and and uh, and see where uh, Nebraska men's basketball is sitting uh, around Christmas or around the first of the year. Sounds good. I thoroughly enjoyed it tonight. Thanks. All right, that is Patrick Gerhart. Check his stuff out on coordination.com. Where are you at on social media that people can throw uh, throw you a follow and and uh, keep up with I am, that? Uh, Twitter is uh, at Patrick Gerhart. That's at P A T R I C K G E R H A R T. The best way to get a hold of me. Perfect. So get a hold of him, and uh, uh, but not too much. Like send him YouTube clips, YouTube videos of lullabies, so the poor guy can get some sleep. Uh, so that's Patrick Gerhart. My name is Greg Mahochko, and we remind you this week and every week that five heart is all the heart you need. Go big red. And Patrick, will you do the honors uh, as Haas started us on a new trend last week by saying, "Win the damn off season." Win the damn off-season. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com. Jittery Monkey.